politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for life, liberty, property. But it's more than that. It's our right to remain as sentient human beings, not controlled by a global cabal of crazies who think we're nothing but Lego toys in their hands. This is a time here, Tuesday, October 3rd, when we should have been having this national discussion over the breach of the social compact by our government, really global governments. Instead, we have this stupidity going on in the House. We'll talk about that a little bit, but I want to get deep into what is going on. What's the it that we're fighting? It's not communism. It's not fascism. It's not any of the isms that we've experienced over, you know, the last hundred 150 years, it definitely includes elements of all of them. But it's something much deeper, much newer. It's sort of what we described in the rise of the Fourth Reich. This is not the death of the West. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, the West is dying. I wouldn't mind if it's dying, but we evacuate ourselves from it. It's killing us. It's the digitization, dehumanization, destruction, and depopulation. Of us, we the people, not of them, at the hands of every Western institution, at its core, it's an anti-human agenda. Obviously, the previous isms had elements of that, but this is, especially with the digitization of the technology, this is the most dangerous, it's the most global, it's the most high-tech. So we're going to have a special guest, Leo Homan, coming up soon, an old friend of mine, who's written about that. I, that. That's a term I've taken from him, the four Ds leading to the fifth one, which is dystopia, and what, what we're up against, how many areas it manifests. But this is all to say that we're out of time. And too many of us, like someone who has a stomach ache and goes to the bathroom, and then when he relieves himself, he ironically feels more relieved you know, after doing his business than before. So things seem really great. So with COVID, it was so bad that now that it's kind of over, all right, life is back to normal. No, it's not. When you come to the realization of what they did to us and why and how, you recognize that clearly they're not going to stop at that. Clearly, Ukraine was the, was the next iteration. So we're going to dis- discover with our guests, we're going to talk about this, why Ukraine was the second the next big thing, and what else do we have to worry about? What other big things? Because remember, there's nothing they will not do to achieve their agenda. They have the means and the motive and the ability to get away with it, and somehow the psychological apparatus to brainwash a population into this. I I saw somewhere recently... Uh, this poll in the UK where an overwhelming majority, including majority of so-called conservative party voters, Tory voters, said they would like to live in a 15-minute city. So we got a big problem. And yet all we hear is the soap opera, the soap opera. Ironically, more than the budget fight, there was more focus on the Democrat uh, pulling the fire alarm in the in the Capitol. I mean... Really? Like, so that's the focus? We all need to pull a fire alarm. I'm here right now to pull a fire alarm and tell you we are out of time. 
And we really need to put our minds together to ascertain what we need to do. I want to give you one example to set the table. And then then before we return back to the subject of digitization, dehumanization, anti-human agenda, give a brief update on the speaker's fight. But I want to play about two minutes of a clip. I don't know who put it together, and I apologize. I want to give credit. But I know Justin Hart, my buddy, H-A-R-T, you could look him up on uh, Twitter. He posted it on his account. It's an 11-minute video of a mixture of celebrities, politicians, media figures saying nobody is safe until everyone is safe. Going through you know what we heard in 2021 or so, and it goes on and on. I want you guys to take a listen. I want you guys to fear. We want to make sure that people can discern the truth from the misinformation. And we want to make sure that everyone understands that no one's safe till everyone's safe. No one is 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 safe. Nobody's safe. No one is safe. Nobody is safe. This is a post 9-11 axiom. Safer but not yet safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe from COVID-19 until everyone is safe. If the whole world isn't safe, none of us are safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. Nobody is safe. Until we're all safe. Health experts have been saying nobody is safe. Nobody is safe until everybody is safe. Nobody is safe. The science is clear. None of us are safe. There is no safety. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe until everyone is safe. No one's safe. Nobody is safe. Nobody's safe. No one's safe. We'll never be safe until we're all safe. We are never going to be safe. 99.5% of people are safe and will survive COVID-19. The only positive thing out of this is we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines and... Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. You don't have a choice. As long as not everybody is vaccinated, nobody will be safe. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. So... Get the fucking vaccine! You need to get vaccinated, and if you don't, you are going to die. I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are. The unvaccinated people. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. If you are the unvaccinated, you are the problem. You're the problem. Condemn them, shame them, blame them. The only people that you can blame are the unvaccinated. Frankly, we can't trust the unvaccinated. They should not be part of polite society. The lunatics who won't take COVID vaccines. Walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. If you're willing to walk among us unvaccinated, you are an enemy. You have no right not to be vaccinated. Okay, so that's that's about two minutes. There's 11 minutes of it. I, I want to set the table by noting they believe that if they will something, you must do it. You have no human rights. And I don't just mean in the way you go about engaging in commerce or something. I mean up until and including your own body. I mean, this... I said it for two years straight, and we, you know, we have to get to other issues now, but it's worth revisiting. If they could go and force something on your body, drum you out of society without it, um, force you, criminalize your breathing holes, there's nothing they can't do. There's nothing they won't do. If they could poison an entire generation, not just force you to get something innocuous, but force you to get something that is that deadly that killed millions of people, and now they're onto the RSV shots, which are, which are in their own clinical trials, showed an excess death, uh, uh, neonatal deaths, when they gave it to pregnant women. So there's nothing they can do. Spraying us with chemicals, the water, who knows? Who knows? 
nuclear war. They're dead serious. Are we going to match their intensity, their focus, and their seriousness with a degree of dedication and principle from our from, from ourselves? And that leads me to just what's going on in, in Congress now. And again, we'll we'll get get back to this. I don't want to spend too much time today because there's so much in flux, and by the time you hear this, they might have the vote. So as of now, we're we're a couple hours away from a scheduled vote. Uh, Matt Gates uh, filed a motion to vacate, so it triggers an automatic vote on vacating the speaker's chair. So if a majority vote for the motion to vacate, then there's no speaker, and you have to keep voting until you you get a speaker. Uh, it ripens in 48 hours, but it looks like McCarthy is calling his bluff, and he's going to call it up. He could call it up earlier. So he wants to just get it get it over with. Um, look, I... There's never a time I don't support getting out Kevin McCarthy. Um, I Once this is in motion, I hope it succeeds. Uh, you're going to hear today and this week kind of two sides you'll hear among conservative talkers. You'll hear some be like, yeah, Matt Gates is great and we need to get rid of McCarthy. Others will be like, this is terrible. Gates is horrible. Um, McCarthy's been doing the best he can do. And the reality is I have a third position, which is, I want to get rid of McCarthy, but my uh, my concern is that Matt Gates, both in his personality and the way he's gone about doing this and what has led up to this, is actually going to make it impossible to get rid of McCarthy, but more importantly, impossible to win the budget fight. My goal is, number one, to win the budget fight, to set up the best scenario to unite the House conference to get as much as we can and that's A. And relatedly, if you do that properly, you could set up B that if McCarthy would cross us, you would have the strongest hand to play to get him out as speaker. Unfortunately, right now, I, I don't see it. I see it as interfering with the budget, which is why Chip Roy, Ralph Norman, um, Scott Perry, Byron Donalds have all announced that they're they're not in support of the motion to vacate because it's just going to harm our ability to do anything. I think what ultimately needs to happen is that they need to go up to McCarthy. If I were, you know, get everyone in the Freedom Caucus on 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 the same page, what are your demands? Put them in writing and say this is what the 12 budget bills have to entail and 43 days from now you must stand behind them when the deadline reaches and message those bills rather than message we can't have a government shutdown. And if you don't do that, that will make it much easier to get him out. But right now, my concern is we don't have a path to doing that. And I'll explain that first very appropriately for today as we talk about digitization. One of the ways that they're going to control us as Lego toys uh, last month, the G20, they, they announced it blatantly that they want uh, digital ID, digital currencies for their respective populations. Um, obviously, digital ID is a big part of the health international health amendments of the WHO. And that will that, that's that's game over. That's game over. Uh, conservative talkers have been pushing gold for many years, but there has never been a better time, both from the inflation and the control aspect, to diversify in something that will always have value. Um, Birch Gold is is the company I recommend. 
they specialize in giving you a physical asset to hold your tax-sheltered IRA or 401k, text Daniel to 989898, and they'll send you a free info kit on on gold. It's really the easiest way to become a customer because then you could call them, and uh, they have very knowledgeable, uh, almost like economist-level knowledge among their customer service there, and they could guide you through all your questions on how to get it done. We've had really thousands of people through the blaze have done this. So text Daniel 989898 today to claim your free info kit. And boy, it would be nice to have some real gold in an era like today. So just to close the circle uh, before we get to our guest on this. So during the speaker's fight at the beginning of the, the year, there was wider distrust or concern about Kevin McCarthy beyond just the 20 guys that that led the fight. And what happened was, even though a lot of people didn't want to go along with it, some quietly supported it. And then there was another tranche that didn't support it, but they weren't attached to McCarthy yet. So what happened was, once they saw these guys were dead serious and not backing down, about... 48 to 72 hours after it started, it looked like McCarthy was teetering, that the conference would just the, – the, the broad middle of the conference was going to say, you know, just, hey, hey buddy, you got to walk the plank. And we were, we were very close. The things that, that ultimately helped was 90 percent of conservative talk and, and Donald Trump supporting McCarthy and putting the pressure – Rather, you know, than uh, than putting it on McCarthy to kick him out out the door, it was put on the twenty guys that you got to cut a deal, you got to cut a deal, and that's what happened. And in retrospect, the deal was cut a little bit too quickly because McCarthy was able to betray us, even with that system put into place with the debt ceiling deal. The problem now, as I mentioned yesterday, and I'm not going to rehash it all. If you haven't heard it, listen to yesterday's show. Is that the opposite is happening? Um, the the whether we like it or not, the view from the broad conference is that Matt Gates and a few of his followers put McCarthy into an impossible situation where they said no CR, even if it's good stuff that Democrats will reject and will have a government shutdown, is good enough. And then they were also opposing the individual appropriation bills while demanding them made it impossible, and they believe he's a victim. So even though he betrayed us and passed a total clean CR for 45 days, which obviously he didn't have to do, but he did anyway, they're not punishing him for it. They don't blame him for it. Okay? We didn't set a red line. Also, between a lot of them, they're all making different demands. Some legitimate but disparate between each other, some kind of stupid and it's just all over the place. So the, the, the position of – see, on paper, theoretically, the math is like this. If every Democrat holds, which they could cut a deal with the Democrats eventually, but let's say every Democrat's like, oh, we'll vote for the motion to vacate. We, we oppose McCarthy. And then – so theoretically, all you need is five Republicans, which they'll easily – Matt Gates will easily get. And you know Bob Good, um, Andy Biggs. Uh, Tim Tim Burchett announced. I mean, a few others will definitely join. Probably Matt Rosendale. Um, they'll easily deny him, so he'll lose the vote. 
So there's no question that in a narrow majority, you could just have a handful of guys do that. But the problem is, then, okay, what's the next step? You ultimately need to get your guy. Now, if you have this much clout to deny McCarthy, you could imagine McCarthy has the clout to deny you to do anything and get your person. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not making the argument of some, like, you know, like, like the Hugh Hewitts of the world. that There's so much good stuff being done. You're wasting our agenda. There's, there's nothing good being done. They suck. I don't care about that. In fact, they were actually going to be on vacation this week, believe it or not. After being on vacation for six weeks, then they come in for like three, and then they're back out again all week. So now they're actually ironically in. So it's not like you're losing any floor time anyway. I don't care. You could have this go on. It doesn't bother me. That's not the argument I'm making. But I'm just saying, ultimately, the goal more than getting out McCarthy is winning the, the budget fight. Okay? So... Typically, at the end of the day, oh, we can deny with 5, 15, 20 people. Yeah, but they could certainly deny with, you know, 190, 200, 205 people, right? Or certainly 150 very, very strong supporters. So now that was a question people asked us when we supported the, you know, the, the fight at the beginning of the year. And what I said was no, because what happens is then you start nominating more realistic people. One of the people that would have been and, and could still be a, a person is Kevin Hearn, who's the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, which is kind of the broad middle of the conference. It's not the Freedom Caucus, but it's not the Rhinos. And and I think in theory that could happen. And that was one of the goals at, at the beginning of the year. The problem now is because of what they did in the lead up to it and because it's being done even if you're someone that thinks Matt Gates is as pure as the wind driven snow i will tell you everyone in the gop conference views him as doing it for himself unlike a chip roy where they know he's doing it because he believes in the issues the the perception of matt gates unanimous perception is negative so they're all circling the wagons around McCarthy. Matt Gates, ironically, I support I support the idea. But the, the ironically, him being the one to do it and the way he did it is hardening McCarthy's support. So do if you ask me, do I support most of the vacant? Oh, I support it. But doing it now with him as the leader, I I basically don't support it because it will lead to McCarthy remaining a speaker. You might say, well, how does he remain? They'll, they'll, they'll never back down. Well, then, then, then they will go to Democrats. Because what you're not going to get is the hearted, is, is the broad middle saying, yeah, McCarthy, we just need someone new. Whereas, if you would have gone the Chip Roy, Scott Perry route, where you would have unified behind a 30-day CR that banned catch and release, cut 8% spending, and Democrats would have balked, Either you would have had a shutdown or McCarthy would have betrayed. You would have had a much broader coalition to go up against McCarthy. Which is why I personally think the best strategy to do, remember, is if he would have given away the farm for a full year or something, then I'd say, like, there's nothing to lose. But as much as I hate what he did, we still have another deadline in 43 days. What I would personally do is I would convene a meeting of the Freedom Caucus and I would try to get them all on the page on the following. We will agree to bail out McCarthy, okay, and oppose Matt Gates's motion 
if he signs on paper, you have to have a spending figure for each of the 12 appropriations bill. They need to unify behind that ask and unify behind things like, again, defunding catch and release, defunding the vaccines, defunding the prosecutions, the you know the Green New Deal, the things we agree to. Don't move the goalpost after that. Have it signed that he has to pass each of the, they already passed four, pass the remaining eight, pursuant to those policies and, the, and those budget figures. And then come the deadline, what, like November 16th, he has to agree to stand behind those bills and say, we voted to keep the government open with the proper priorities, take it or leave it, and message the issues, not the government shutdown, and don't fear a government shutdown. Now, you might ask the question, okay, fine, but then what happens? You have a government shutdown. Well, eventually, there's going to be some sort of bill you're going to pass. How do you know what's a betrayal? How many things do you have to fight for? He has to agree to cede power. He could remain speaker, but the negotiating power with the White House or Senate Democrats has to be done by a committee of three, something like, so again, you can't have a, you can't force him to have a Matt Gates on there, but let's say a Chip Roy, a Dan Bishop, um, a Ralph Norman, something like that, that they have to, those three have to do the negotiations you're cut out of it. You could do interviews, you do proper messaging, but they will be the ones negotiating. So 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 McCarthy cannot be the so what that does is that ensures that he doesn't do to us what he did with the debt ceiling. That ultimately these guys have to agree to the final bill. And you got to pass the 12 bills like this and no more of this then then no more CR. No more CR. And whatever is done at, through a government shutdown has to be approved by these people. To me, that is the best outcome. Because he so desperately wants to be speaker, he'll agree to it. We'll have the best chance of winning the budget fight, which is ultimately more important than any, any speaker. Because again, as you well know, McCarthy is a reflection of the problem. Anyone else we'd have would, I mean, and in fact, there's an argument, a lot of these other guys who are less transactional, but on paper, a little bit more conservative, those are the worst types, because then they're not really what we want, but they have more respect, and it's hard for us to fight against them. You know, like, I would not want a Jim Jordan as speaker, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a big problem. He's going to have so much clout to screw us with. So that's the best outcome. And then if he were to somehow violate that, you would have a huge coalition to then get him out right now just to stand by say we're gonna have five people or seven people or 10 people whatever it is 15 people say we're going to block the vote it will not end in anything we want it, it will ruin the budget fight and it won't even get out mccarthy it won't get out mccarthy he will do what he needs to do to achieve that speakership He'll work with Democrats, and he'll have the strong Republican support to do it. See, the reason when people, when when people brought that point up to me, you know, in, in opposition to my support of the Speaker's fight at the beginning of the year, I, I said that was nonsense because the conference wouldn't let it. But now they hate Matt Gates so much that they're rallying behind him; they'll let it happen. Whereas if you work the scenario I'm doing, and he betrays us, 
he wouldn't really have leverage to do that. The broad conference would fold on him. In other words, the, the, the working with a Democrat thing is predicated on the fact that he'd have all but 20 people supporting him. He'd have 90% of the conference. So, you know, we'll cut a deal with Hakeem Jeffries to get a few Democrats unleashed or, um, you know, released to support him. But in this case, you know, if, if, if you were to pursue my plan and he'd betray you, the broad conference would abandon him. And then if he works with Dems, that would be even more. I mean, it, there's, there's no way he'd ever have support to do that. He would lose support. I mean, that's the thing. Ultimately, you can't hold 95% of the conference hostage with 5%. The reason why I supported that is because it's predicated on a premise that you could induce a broader support. It's just most of them have no guts to do anything. And then it will create a domino effect. Kind of like what you, you what you try to do with uh, 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 an old-fashioned coup in a nation-state. Someone has to catalyze it, but it's predicated on the fact that there's broader support behind that. If you don't, I mean, you could theoretically deny him the votes for a while, but you're never going to get anything you want. And then once he has that control, you're crushed. You have nothing to work with. I, to me, I just view that as the best outcome now. That's what I would do. I'd go up to McCarthy. I'd get the frame card and say, look, you don't have the votes. We could deny you forever. Here's your last chance. So take it or leave it. Let me know what you think. Daniel Horowitz at StarMail.com. Do you agree or disagree with my strategy? Do you have a better strategy? But I want to get to back to our broader discussion of the anti-human agenda. So while we all obsess about this drama and soap opera in Washington, obviously we have to remember the reason why I care so much more about the budget bills than whoever is speaker and even president or whatever, the reason why we have to defund certain things now is because we are out of time. And there's an old friend of mine that I think really encapsulates what I mean by the Fourth Reich. What is it we're fighting? Who we're fighting? Leo Homan so old friend of mine back from the WorldNet Daily days, he used to write for WorldNet Daily, a great investigative journalist, would really dig deep into stories. Uh, we, we talked a lot about, before COVID, I used to have him on, we talked a lot about the Islamic invasion, refugees, things like that. And we got to talking recently, and I, I was telling him, you know, in the old days, we used to complain about external threats, as if... You know, you'll have Islam come in, you'll have illegal aliens come in, but it's it's internal. And to the extent those things are a problem, that's because of our government. And he summed it up in a column, and I want you to go to Leo Homan's Substack, and then also leohoman.com, uh, and uh, Homan is H-O-H-M-A-N-N, as in Nancy, dot com. Globalists have another shock event planned in pursuit of the four Ds, digitization, dehumanization, destruction, and depopulation. Boy, Leo, that's that's some headline. Welcome to Blaze Media. It's been way too long. Yeah, thank you so much, Daniel, for having me back. All right, so let's let's explain each of these, the, the four Ds. You say... Ultimately, it's leading to dystopia. 
Um, let's just define each. What do you what do you encompass in digitization? Uh, essentially, what I'm talking about there is the assignment of a digital biometric digital ID to every human being in uh, fulfillment of sustainable development goal 16.9 under uh, Agenda 2030, which was adopted in 2015 by the world's leaders in New York City. Uh, I remember that day well. I was working at WND at that time, Daniel, and uh, it's hard to believe that that is, that is now eight years ago. And uh, the oligarch really jump-started this whole process towards digitization with the uh, COVID pandemic. Um, the, the goal is to assign, as I said, a digital biometric ID to every human being and then tie it to, tie that ID system to the central bank digital currencies. So they will then have a, 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 a impervious tracking system that is totally foolproof uh, 24-7 in real time. Um, Pippa Malgram uh, talked a little bit about this in her address to the World Government Summit in March of 2022, uh, about a year and a half ago, when she said that we will have an almost perfect record of every transaction that happens in the economy uh, and that, that we're moving. Uh, she said we are, on the pre- we are at the precipice of abandoning the old traditional system of money and moving to a new system based on digital and blockchain. And she even admitted that there were, there were huge risks involved to uh, personal privacy and uh, freedom and all that, and that we needed some sort of new digital constitution to protect people from it. But, it, uh, you know, they always do this, the globalist oligarchs. They'll throw that out there as the danger. But, oh, don't worry, we've got you covered. We'll come up with some new, you know, global bill of rights to protect you. So that's what I meant by digitization. And this thing has just been put in overdrive uh, the last year or two since COVID, uh, uh, Daniel. And one country after another, we read every day is rolling out a digital ID. Uh, just this week, I read about Greece doing it, and Denmark before that, and Australia, and uh, the UK. And, you know, when is the United States turn? Okay. It seems like we're always just a little behind the curve, maybe a year or two, five at the most. Uh, and you will see this coming. Same with the CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Next on the list, I talk about dehumanization, and that kind of goes hand in glove with digitization, right? If you're going to digitize a human being, you're essentially going to dehumanize that human being, uh, but you throw artificial intelligence in there, uh, and it really jumpstarts that whole process as well as we start to blur the lines between human beings and the machines uh, that run computers uh, and the chips that run the computers. And uh, we just see advances every day on this level as well. And there's people much more knowledgeable on that than I am. Uh, People like Joe Allen, you know, I I really recommend people follow his substack for this whole process of uh, transhumanism based on uh, merging human beings with artificial intelligence. Uh, and uh, what they're really trying to do is, is, is replace humans 
the way I worded it was humans and human free will will be replaced by transhumans and artificial intelligence. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about there when I refer to dehumanization. More decisions, important decisions of our lives will be made uh, by AI instead of human beings or us in consultation with human beings. These will just be made for us uh, by the algorithms. And then the uh, third D is destruction. And by destruction, this is probably the most obvious one for anyone who's lived through the last three and a half, four years. Uh, they want to destroy all tradition, all cultural norms, male, female genders, goodbye. We now have 38 genders. Uh, traditional marriage and the nuclear family, say goodbye to that. The ability even to reproduce without the aid of technology, Daniel, uh, is also high on their list. Uh, if you ever have read the book uh, by Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, or saw the movie, uh, this was a big part of it, how they would breed new human beings in these uh, laboratories in pods, and people would be able to pick the DNA traits of their child. And uh, it, there was no more natural reproduction. It was like light, you had to license through the state to go through one of these breeding pods and have a child. And of course that will cost you money as well. So uh, breeding becomes more a, uh, more the space for the elites, the oligarchs and their minions, uh, not the common man. Uh, it's a whole eugenics type of outlook on life there. But uh, and, yeah. And by the Hold way, the Leo, I, I think that's a great presentation. So the digitization, dehumanization, destruction. Yeah. Before we get to the number, the, the, the fourth, which is I think what everyone's familiar with is the ultimate goal or the ultimate means to the final goal, depopulation. I, I think what's important to, to throw in here with the destruction is that a lot of people talk about the demise of Western civilization, but what I've been saying with the rise of the Fourth Reich is it's not the demise connotes something that collapses. It's it's um you know passive. It's it's a lack of something. It's a lack of order. And I, I wish we just had that. What what we have is is active controlled demolition, active destruction. And and the proof is in the pudding. I think you really see this with the anarcho-tyranny. So there's one thing if you had to kind of break down in law and order, everyone's running through the border, the border's porous, and the cities are full of, you know, just, just today uh, a congressman got, got carjacked. You know, this happens all the time now. Even around Capitol Hill itself, it's a cesspool, which is the biggest irony because they all support, you know, letting out the criminals. And then this is a Democrat member who got uh, got attacked, but it, but what's remarkable is that it's occurring precisely during the most tyrannical, surveilled, controlled period of time. So when they want to control you, it's not like oh, there's no order; we just kind of do what we want. I mean, you're videotaped more than ever, recorded more than ever. I mean, any mosquito that was within 600 yards of of the uh, of Capitol Hill on January 6th, they got that covered. Yet we have 200 homicides so far this year in uh, DC. And what I found amazing, Leo, is 70% of them weren't cleared. The clearance rate was just 30% that they caught. And I was thinking, you know, the technology we have is insane. 
and murder is murder. It's the same old tech crime. It's not a high tech crime. How in the world could you only in the society we live in? I mean, the tools the FBI has, the tools at their disposal, you and I can never, ever avoid their clutch. And 70% of homicides in D.C. have gone unsolved. That's not, you know what I mean? Like, that's not passive. That's an active form. Same thing with the tranny stuff. The, the, and, and I think I would argue the tranny stuff fits into destruction and dehumanization as well. That it's not just like, look, it's, it all goes. It's, it's, an all go, it's like licentiousness, a breakdown of religion, cultural rock god. I mean, that's all true. But it's something active. You have to create that. That has never been created in human history. Um, my, my colleague Steve Dace always says that, you know, in the, the first wave of licentiousness, you had to deal with the premarital you know, stuff and everyone wanted to just grab, you know, women and, and do whatever they wanted. And now, I mean, there, there's polling data out. I just cited, and I can't remember where, a massive percentage of Gen Zers are scared to even approach a woman. That's if they even view them as the opposite gender and they're not so-called gay themselves or whatever. You know, you don't have 25% of high schoolers, according to CDC, identify as one of the alphabet soup things just because eh, it's kind of like, you know, everything goes society. So sorry for the monologue there, but I wanted to throw that in and get your comment on how that fits in um, to your four Ds. That that's an interesting insight, and I agree with what you're saying there. Because uh, what are we always told whenever they roll out some new invasive surveillance tool, whether it be high definition uh, internet connected cameras on the street corners, or um, you know some sort of uh, thing that you've got to go through before you get into a ball game or a concert hall or the airports or whatever? It's always uh, there's two things, really, that they use to sell us on these new technologies. It's always either for our safety or our convenience. Um, and Americans are fools for convenience. I mean, you, you half the time don't even have to rule out, uh, roll out the safety uh, uh, talking points. But it's, they always tell us that they're doing this to keep us safe. Now, how is it that with all of the record numbers of surveillance tools that are now out there with 5G and uh, smart cities and, and all of these cameras and speaker systems, listening and watching everything you do, uh, logging your, uh, they can log your facial expression from like, uh, 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 you know, a quarter mile away. Like you said, a mosquito, you know, I mean, it's unbelievable, the technology. And yet we never seem to get safer. In fact, we get Less safe. Yep. Uh, crime is out of control. I just saw an article yesterday, uh, which reminds me of what you were talking in D- about in D.C., only this was in Oakland County, Michigan, which is a, uh upscale suburb of Detroit. I'm very familiar with it because I grew up uh, in a neighboring county on the other side of the tracks. But uh, these people, uh, this used to be a very Republican, very, it's a very white, very used to be Republican county, Oakland County, Michigan, you know, Bloomfield Hills, West Bloomfield, very upscale. Uh, And the sheriff came out yesterday in Oakland County and said, you know what, we have transnational gangs operating in our county that you need to be aware of because they're now 
uh, doing home invasions and stealing, uh, you know, jewelry, uh, precious metals, uh, electronics out of these, you know, multi-million dollar homes from the people who live in Oakland County. And guess what? I said they used to be Republican. Yeah. Now they vote uh, majority Democrat and have been trending that way for the last 12, 15 years or more. And so uh, it's just like a, a microcosm of D.C. They're getting the exact results of what they've started voting for. And so, uh, yeah, it, it is. Do, I guess the point here that I should make, uh, never believe the government tells you why they need to poke into your private business. Uh, why they need to surveil your yep. cell phone, why they need facial recognition software before you get on a plane or go into a ball game. or wh- This is all going to be coming down over the next couple of years. It's already started, uh, and, but, but it's all based on lies. It's all, and, and, and ultimately this leads to depopulation. How would you give that over to your average normie that just cannot conceptualize, despite all the statements these people openly make, um, that they literally they they don't want you to 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 live and 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 how do they view themselves? In other words, they think that they're going to survive this. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're Malthusian in in their philosophy. A lot of these uh, uh, globalist elites, billionaires, multimillionaires, who are. You know, it's not just the billionaires. I mean, if that were it, we wouldn't have to worry because there's not enough of them. It's all the people who work as their minions. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and uh, the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy, the nonprofits, the educational system, which has gone totally corrupt, the media, which is totally infiltrated and corrupt. Uh, anyway, the the thought leaders, which are not those people, but the, the people who tend to be more of the billionaires uh, and the um, uh, the futurists, people like Yuval Harari, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, you know, they're Malthusian in their outlook. Now, what do I mean by that? There was a guy named Thomas Malthus back in the uh, late 17th, early 18th century, uh, who was uh, a Englishman and a minister, a Christian minister and philosopher, and he taught that the world's resources were finite, and that uh, if we had too much uh, population growth, that these resources would basically dry up, and uh, life on Earth as we know it would cease to would gradually, you know, uh, just start to dissipate. And um, so, a lot of these elites really believe this, and so that's the that's a large part of the basis behind their war on fossil fuels, as they call it. I hate that term, fossil fuels, because natural it, fuels. It, it, Yes. Manifest in the word fossil is that what? It's old. It's limited. It could dry up. It could go away. It's a Rockefeller (laughs) term, and we should call it natural fuels. I I want to move on in your column just with the depopulation stuff. A question I get from a lot of people is everything seems to be consistent with these guys. But the one thing that's kind of interesting, an interesting wrinkle is one of the top agenda items, and we're seeing they're succeeding, is Mass migration. So you have the East and the West, let's just say. You have Europe and you have you have North America. You have the United States. And they're both experiencing mass, mass, you know, uh, migration from, from the third world. And you're, you're taking Western countries that have, I mean, this is before the clot shots did their magic, you know, did, did, birth rates that are well below the replacement level. So, you know, 
in their warped worldview, that's mission accomplished, and they should be happy with that. But then they're importing in mass demographics that that have high birth rates. So how do you square that? Well, I think the vaccines will cure a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether you're a high birth, come from a high birth rate culture or not, if you get these vaccines, you're not going to be high birth rate. Um, so, but but also, I think that's I think war is definitely uh, on the agenda, Daniel, because what the vaccine doesn't kill, the war will eliminate a lot of the ones who. Uh, for whatever reason, we're not affected by the vaccines. The young, uh, the healthy, uh, send them to the front. And, uh, you know, so, so I, let's I, get into that, because because that you I, I, I looked at your column and you dedicated the lion's share of this surprisingly to Ukraine. And, you know, that sounds kind of like typical geopolitical affairs, nothing that's digitization, dehumanization. Um, but, you know, many of us were wondering why this was the next thing after COVID immediately, you know, in early 2022. Um, you look at the politicians, you look at what they're doing, you look at the media, you look at that that public emoting in February 2022, which was on par with what happened in Italy with COVID in March 2020. And it wasn't just your run-of-the-mill neocon, like, yeah, there's bad stuff going on in a certain part of the world. we got to get involved. It, it has a religious fervor to it. It's it's an obsession. I mean, when Mitch McConnell gets up there and says it's the most important thing you could ever, could ever do, what the heck is behind that? What is the agenda with that? Uh, you want me to be really frank? <laughs> well, that's what this show's all about. I think it's about resources, and uh, I think they want to. That I think that the U.S., the U.K., and NATO. Uh, how can I put this diplomatically? Are unhappy with Russia having access to such a bevy of natural resources, particularly oil and gas, but also a lot of minerals, uh, and thinking that it has the audacious right to sell those resources like a sovereign nation to whoever it wants. Uh, how can you uh, move forward with a green economy and a net zero economy and all that foolishness while Russia's out there and Saudi Arabia as well um, selling oil at, at below what they think it, at prices they think are way too low? And and the, this is what fuels the middle class of America and Western Europe. This is what makes them free. They're able to travel. They're able to work wherever they want. Uh, they're able to live wherever they want, pretty much, uh, because they have access to cheap fuel uh, to drive their uh, motor vehicles and hop on planes. Well, this does not fit with the green agenda. They want to end all of that. Um, they want to limit us, I've seen, to, you know, a, a quota system where we would be able to have like four airplane rides per year. And after that, we would uh, th that would be it. Um, I, actually, it was not per year. It was it's some ungodly amount of time. I don't remember. But th they're trying to limit all of that and tie it to your digital uh, the digitization that we talked about earlier in a social credit scoring system. Uh, that grades you out based on your obedience to this green agenda. Well, none of that is possible 
if Russia and Saudi Arabia are out there selling cheap oil and gas, and I do find it interesting, and this kind of confirms my theory that this is really what it's all about, uh, it, there's other things involved, too, like the crazy social agenda and the transgenderism that Russia wants no part of. But basically, it's economic, and that's why we're also seeing Saudi Arabia flip from a Western ally to now uh, siding with Russia, China, and the BRICS nations. So, so you're saying, basically, this spike, and we, and we saw it right after U- Ukraine. I mean, if you were trying to accomplish this, you couldn't have done a better job. Record inflation, scarcity of resources, record you know price of gas. That wasn't something that they were willing to suffer in order to fight this altruistic war in, in Ukraine. It was, in fact, the main course. It was the main purpose uh, was to create this disruption in energy um i mean i think there's also a lot of just a lot of corruption that a lot of the western oligarchs are involved in ukraine now you also make the point and this is kind of a needle to thread because none of us believe in putin and support him um and obviously he stands in contrast to our values but in his own way he is a little bit of a destabilizing force to the fourth reich he because he's kind of like a traditional fascist type of guy a traditional you know nation state nationalist that wants to you know better the standing of his country he'll repress his people he'll do several things but he doesn't want to destroy his civilization and he certainly doesn't want part of that is that is that why they hate him so much that they view that he is probably relatively the biggest player with the biggest country that is not swimming in the same. It doesn't mean they're on the side of righteousness, but they're not swimming in the same direction as all of the top like G20 nations. Um, I think Putin at one time was um, uh, toying with the idea of joining this uh, Western uh, coalition of nations that has been referred to as the post-World War II liberal rules-based order, okay? And it's basically a U.S.-dominated, U.K.-dominated system with the rest of the European, Western European nations pretty much falling in line to whatever those powers want. Uh, Yeah, there's always been some outliers like Hungary, but for the most part, it seems like... uh, France, Germany, and, you know, all the others, Italy, pretty much jumped to the tune of what the U.S. is 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 wanting them to do. Uh, but Putin f- figured out, I think, at some point that he was not going to be included in that uh, coalition in any sense of the word of being an equal partner. He would have to uh, play the puppet like most of these other uh, Western European countries, and he just wasn't willing to go there. He he believes in a strong Russia. I don't believe that he wants to reassemble the old Soviet empire uh, no. like the, t- the 
that's the talking points of the neocons in no. Washington. Nor, nor does he have the ability. I mean, for better, for worse, what we see is he has full control over the Russian areas, Crimea, Donetsk. You're not going to get that away from him. But on the other right. hand, his ability to take all of Ukraine, much less roll into Poland, clearly the, the Russian military has been shown not to have that ability. So it actually, from our standpoint, is the perfect detente that you're never going to get the Russian majority areas. They're, they'll always be against you. But he doesn't really have the, that threat is not true. Um, you make the point that he certainly believes in the digitization, you know, the control. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I'll control people. But you, you note that it's the other aspects, the dehumanization, the destruction of the cultural norms, the depopulation he doesn't support. How are you confident in that? Uh, just going by his track record. Uh, I think he wants a strong Russia. I don't, and I do believe he has a legitimate fear of uh, the NATO encroachment surrounding his uh, western flank. They're now uh, completely surrounded, and if they lose Ukraine, this Ukraine war, it's game over. I mean, you are you now have the uh, the traditional historic. Uh, pathway straight into Moscow on flatlands with no encumbrances. Uh, if if NATO if this NATO against Russia war goes in the favor of NATO, now I heard a uh, former CIA analyst named Larry Johnson interviewed yesterday by Judge Andrew Napolitano, and he laid out a stunning statistic. Uh, you know how the neocons every day parrot this line of Russia is a threat, an existential threat, uh, according to Lieutenant General Hodges, who was speaking on, I think it was 60 Minutes over the weekend, one of those national shows. Uh, Russia is a threat to uh, the United States and its allies. Well, this is what Larry Johnson pointed out, and it, it, it completely blows that out of the water. Since 1991... Russia has invaded uh, a foreign, a sovereign nation without the permission of that sovereign nation a total of four times. Guess how many times the United States has uh, invaded a country, a sovereign country, without its permission? I mean, we have special forces in probably about 130 or so, but uh, <laughs> enlighten us. 200 times. 200 times. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It's it's projection, and, and we're almost out of time. I want to parlay that in because there's so much more out, out there. LeoHoman.com, two ends at the end, or, or look at his Substack. You have some in one, some not you know in the other. So go to both websites. You have a lot of good material. I want to get to the mind control because all of this we explain, and I think members of this audience all understand the motivations of, of the Fourth Reich, and it's, it's shocking. I think you and I both kind of grew into this post-COVID where we wouldn't have believed. I think we knew there was, it was out there, but not how mainstream it was and how much control and how on the way to achieving it they were. But ultimately, it still relies upon the fact that majorities of people living in formerly liberal Western democracies buying into it. And what a lot of us are struggling with is to understand... So I used to think, oh, yeah, the, the media just has a liberal monopoly. Liber, liberals monopolized, leftists monopolized it. But obviously what we've come to learn with COVID and it's obviously come out in the court cases, uh, you know, all sorts of open source documents, that the, the government defense security intel apparatus literally works with them. You have a revolving door with Silicon Valley and 
top agencies within the government, just like you do Lockheed Martin and DOD, where it's not just that they're on the same side, they're actively shaping the news. And I talk with some friends sometimes, we try to figure out, we left because it doesn't work on us. And we're thinking, is there something physical? Is it in the air? Is it in the water? So I can understand abortion's been around for a long time. And it gets personal, it's my body. And that's been, that, that's been around for a long time, that people believe that. But how you could get people in a matter of 24 hours to cry and emote and almost be willing to die for Ukraine that they couldn't find on a map until 24 minutes ago. And you, you have the mask stuff that you would have, it's so illogical. And in three seconds, you'll, you'll be willing to kill your neighbor and insult them and shame them over that. How does that happen? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that is, you've laid it out in very stark terms there. Daniel, uh, it, it happens because all of the communication systems that feed are feeding information to the public are controlled by the same people. Uh, the people who control them are oligarchs, billionaire, elitist oligarchs who are all working towards the same end. I know that sounds fantastical to the untrained ear who hasn't really looked into all of this stuff. But, uh, you know, I just don't think if you get Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, uh, Klaus Schwab, and George Soros in, a, in the same room, they're going to disagree about much. Uh, they might disagree a little bit on how to get from point A to point B, but it's the same point B that they're all working towards. And so uh, it's monolithic. There is no journalistic enterprise out there that is corporate-owned mainstream that is not singing from the same song sheet. I, know, I, I understand that, Leo, but, but did they study the human brain? I mean, how do they uh, – they almost perfectly get these outcomes, yeah. exactly what you would want people to say at the tip of their tongues. You go to the – let's just talk about the normies, the average – oh, the, the terrible what's going on. Like just the, the – I can't even relate to it. And and people like us, I don't even understand how they could well, fall into that, but they do. Part of it is also just a lack of critical thinking skills from our dumbed-down education system that has been uh, degraded for decades now, uh, probably longer than we're, any of us are willing to admit, uh, Daniel. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a combination of the Internet uh, the whole mindset of people being addicted to that screen and yep. as from the time that they were teenagers and now even younger, uh, you know, my kids didn't look at the Internet until they were like 14, 15. But now they're looking at the Internet and with these, these devices when they're two and three years old. And so that that kills something within the creative spirit, within mm. the brain system where you're able to think critically. It's just sort of being stimulated from one thing to the next and it, it foments a very short attention span uh so short people are attention just, span that's that's what it is i mean yeah. and i think that's part of your digitization too it's not just uh okay you you get a digital number digital currency but but you acculturate people to live out their lives digitally in a way that they're nothing but an androgynous bot 
And and that's why with COVID, it wasn't just a side entree like, oh, this is how we're going to sustain a lockdown. You connect everyone through Zoom. No, that was part of the main point to acculturate people, the new normal. This is how you interact. This is how you live. So everyone's just a bunch of bungling, retarded fools that, that can't function as sentient human beings. And again, a further way they could control and manip- manipulate. What is Operation Mockingbird? Yeah, well, that was laid out at the church hearings in the 1970s, Senator Frank Church, uh, where the CIA admitted that they have paid uh, infiltrators in the uh, U.S. media throughout the mainstream media, uh, TV, radio, newspapers at the time. They didn't have the Internet back then. Um, and they, uh, they, they essentially do the bidding of the intel agencies. They put out talking points. Yep. They repeat the talking points ad nauseum until it gets ingrained in people's minds like <laughs> they did with COVID. Um, that's why you have these, uh, if you look at across the board, mainstream media, whether it's the Washington Post, New York Times, or the TV major networks, they're all saying the same thing, especially when it comes to any sort of crisis with COVID. They all had the death count up there uh, in the corner of the screen. They all said that you need to do this, this, and this, and don't do that, that, or that, you know, and and there was no uh, variation whatsoever. Now, that could never happen if we had an honest media. There would be disagreement. Or even a dishonest media. (laughs) They would be dishonest in slightly different ways. I mean, that's the thing. It's not just liberal it's government controlled and run and i i mean we've seen there's you know in the uk there were a lot of papers written on this studies of how they understood the human mind and how to sell it but i it's not just with covid it's with everything and and look this was back in the 1970s we knew they were doing this and now their intentions are more nefarious i mean this is this is a big deal we're out of time i didn't even get to your stuff on drones and everything else but it's all digitization demonization destruction of the population leohoman.com substack are you on twitter as well uh yes at leohoman on twitter Homan with two ends man we're going to do this again we had a lot of fun leo great to catch up after all these years keep up the great work and thanks for joining us thank you so much daniel So, folks, we went a little long there, but, boy, it was worth it. Old friend Leo Homan, uh, he's one of the few people I could catch up with, and I know he hasn't gone crazy on me the last number of years. Like some of these other people, it's just all, Mr. Trump's going to save us. Actually focused on substance and and really gets it. Uh, So it was great catching up with him. I just, we're we're way over time. I want to just close with the fact that as far as the mind control and the propaganda, this is something very big. In 1948, after World War II, when they used a bunch of propaganda and, you know, it was used against enemies, they wanted to make sure it wasn't used domestically. You had the Smith-Mutt Act, M-U-D-T, uh, name of a congressman, prohibited domestic dis- uh, dissemination of materials produced by the State Department basically to propagandize uh, our own population here in America. That version was amended by the Smith-Mutt Modernization Act of 2012. And it was like a lot of these things, it was stuffed in the FY 2013 National Defense Authorization Act. It was it was a random section of it, and it was passed as part of it on December 28th, 2012. That's when the NDAA was passed, was a part of it, um, basically allowing the State Department and the Broadcasting Board of Governors to, uh, you know, propagandize within 
the United States. And uh, that needs to really, that's a big action item I would like to see defunded and blocked and prohibited in any budget bill. Um, but that's that's where we're at with the budget. We need a fight now. I don't care how much floor time is chewed up. I don't care. I just want to make sure it's going towards somewhere and it's not about something that becomes just a personality fight. Then we're screwed. Then it's not going to go anywhere. But I'm obviously all for getting rid of McCarthy. I'm all for having a floor fight over an agenda. But you need to have over what are you fighting. So we'll see what happens. We'll comment on it more tomorrow. Uh, we'll keep this transhumanist discussion up going, talking about vaccines tomorrow with Aaron Siri and their work at a state level now. They're getting involved in state legislation, which is, uh, you know, big help that I need for our teams. So, again, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. At Armed Conservative is the Twitter. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.